Welcome to Heart Talk. I'm your host, writer, educator, and creator, Tracy Michelle. I remember waking up on that day feeling like a bundle of mixed emotions. I was tired and in pain as usual, thank you fibromyalgia, but I was hopeful and determined also because it was 2014 and I was launching a new company, New Season Books and Media. Or rather, I should say, I was taking my previous company to the next level with a new name. I was also feeling uneasy though. I was disturbed by some things that had transpired the week before when I felt used and discarded by someone I'd worked for and whose true character really revealed itself. That frustration, however, lived alongside the joy that often came for me when I thought about my two and a half year old at the time. She was nothing but a bundle of warm love that could only come from her and she would wrap me in her arms, her little arms, with, and give me hugs and pelt me with kisses. So needless to say, with all of that going on, it was an interesting start of the day. However, the neutralizer of any negativity for that day and what I like to call the promoter of all that was good came from spirit as I stepped out onto my porch. I stepped outside the door and I turned to look at my flower bed and I came face to face with the first blooms of my sunflowers. Um, they, I mean, it was gorgeous. It was bright yellow and, you know, dark brown in the middle and it was amazing. And so I decided to name that sunflower because, yes, I am one of those people that name her garden or name her flowers so sue me right um, but I named that sunflower grace just because <laughs> I love how the Holy Spirit just sends us subtle reminders of God's love God's wondrous confirmations and affirmations that all will be well the blooming of the sunflower might not seem like a big thing to you, and maybe in the big scheme of things it isn't, but you see, I instinctively know my sunflower's story. <laughs> see, the sunflower started as a seed, as we all do, right? As every idea and every vision does. And for a while, the sunflower grew in relative peace. I would water it regularly, um, I did my best to nurture its growth. And even when I slipped up, when I forgot or I was running out the door and, you know, didn't take a moment to do what I needed to do, um, the rain would come and then the sun would come out and all would be well <laughs> until, dun, 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 right? Until the storm. You see, not too long after planting those sunflower seeds, we had a raging storm pass through our town. Uh, it was the remnants of, I think, Hurricane Arthur at the time. Anyway, when I came outside right after the storm, the sunflowers, which at that time had not like fully bloomed, but had grown significantly, they were all bent over and damaged. They were all like just, it was a mess, right? And I was devastated, as I think most people are, when a storm comes, a storm from the sky or a storm in life. But after a few days, I got about the business of recovery. There were some flowers or some like parts of the sunflower that were broken. And unfortunately, I had to cut them away. Snip, snip, gone. It's tough to cut away things, even people, right? Who can't grow with the other flowers in your life. The sturdier flowers, the sturdier sunflowers, um, I tied them together or um, I tied them to posts at the time. 
and they would eventually stand upright again. As a matter of fact, I said that. Yes, I told you I, I speak to my flowers. They will stand again, I said. You will stand again, despite the storm. And so, uh, coming out that day, right, in 2014, coming out and seeing that beautiful, glorious bloom, um, the flower just blooming so beautifully, um, was such a, a testament to what happens when we recover. Um, I felt like the sunflower was telling me its story, but it was also helping me with my own. From that moment until I closed my eyes that night, no matter how mixed up I felt, no matter how many emotions I had, frustration, happiness, et cetera, et cetera, anticipation, um, I knew, you know, that at the end of the day, it was a good day. And so this is why I think I'm happy to share with you all my interview with Christina Faith. Um, if there's anyone who knows what it means to recover, to heal from a storm, it is her. She has weathered many a storm personally and professionally. Um, and as the saying goes, she was not built to break. Um, she's a phenomenal filmmaker and entrepreneur. And through it all, by the grace of God, she seems to always come out as gold. Christina Faith is a director, a writer, a producer, and an educator based out of Philadelphia, um, but she was born in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and she talks a little bit in our interview about her life's journey, um, the kind of school of hard knocks that she comes from, and all the things that kind of make up the complexities and the nuances the, of a, a great woman. Um, she is a self-taught filmmaker. Uh, she likes to say that she learned from YouTube University, um, as well as through continuously practicing the craft um, and she along with her spouse Alan Johnson um, own Creative Thought Media a full service production company and artist collective that really focuses on creating original content but also educational mentorship she's also an assistant professor at Esperanza College here in the Philadelphia area and a digital media instructor at Vicasio Career Prep High School um, she's all about pouring into to the next generation. Uh, for the last 10 years, Christina has been developing her craft, as I said, through the production of the digital series Single and Anxious, um, short films like Killing Her Softly, Carlos, Plan B, The Reunion. The Reunion was actually written and directed by moi. Um, and uh, documentaries like 16 for 16, Maverick Thoughts. Um, and she's currently in post-production for her very first feature film, Love You Write an R&B Type Musical, which I'm really excited to be a producer on um, the film, you know, that I think is really going to be and it's promising to be that morning sunflower on her journey. And so let's just jump right in and uh, let's listen to the conversation with Christina Faith. What up, Christina? <laughs> Y'all can't see her, but she uh, doing the walk right now. Welcome to Heart Talk Podcast. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm I feel so privileged and honored. Oh, <laughs> I'm so glad for you to be here. And you know, as we do at Heart Talk Podcast, um, the first question is always, how's your heart today? So how's your heart today, Chris? You know, today my heart is good. Today my heart is good. But the last couple months have been a, have been a struggle. Um, making sure I keep my heart right, making sure I keep my heart fixed on the Lord and not on the things, people's thoughts about what I'm doing and all that kind of cool stuff. So it's, it's today it's finally, a, a probably it also took five days off, but it's probably the, the best it's been in a while. So you're rested and refreshed. I am. So that's, I'm, that's feeding that feeling, right? It is. I'm going to get some more rest though. <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm gonna take about five more days off. So you like you like the feeling of re refreshment. Oh man, it's amazing! <laughs> it's amazing. I, it you does. know, I, only because you know you need rest. Rest is good. You know, we need rest. Uh, but also, like I, 
I've been going hard so long, I, I started to switch what things mean in my head. Mm. And so I couldn't recall certain, certain things. And I was like, okay. So okay. over the last couple of months, I've been trying to be very intentional about rest. That's important. That's so important. Um, so let's, let's just dive right in because as you know, um, I, and I've mentioned that on the podcast for the last few weeks or so that I'm coming off like this crazy healing journey, right? And the one thing that really I've noticed is that my creativity has changed, mm-hmm. right? As a result of that healing um, or the healing journey, I should say, because I'm still on it, right? And so I think that sometimes creators in general don't realize that much of like the breakthrough that they need or mm-hmm. the longevity that they're long, you know, the thing that they're longing for comes when they're willing to really confront and maybe even participate in their own healing, like to go mm-hmm. on that journey. And so I'd like for you to just talk about like, you know, your last five years as a filmmaker and how that journey has informed your, like your own personal healing journey, how yeah. that has informed your work. Yeah. So I've been on a very long, um, sometimes as in the beginning, it felt like a very long healing journey. I don't think, I definitely don't think my healing journey is over. I'm definitely still in it and still on it. Um, and so what I realized five years, actually in November, it will be five years since I left, uh, what I am unabashedly ashamed, unashamed to say a church cult. Um, and it, it taught me so much about my life and why I was doing the things that I was doing, what I was seeking for the validation I was seeking for, and then also how I let other people control my creativity. And so in a lot of ways, um, the last, uh, five years of my life have been about rediscovering who I am, uh, what God has made is good and the things that are in me that are not godly, God wants to clean out, but that doesn't mean that I have to, um, sanitize my art in a sense because he's making me clean um and so I think for me my healing journey has really been and how it's influenced my art has really been discovering uh the beauty of the mess that I was in just in my life so I've been in a whole lot of mess um and so because I just did I didn't have a great um upbringing in a sense I had well me and my cousins like to say we had the best of both worlds in a lot of senses I didn't have parent a parent that was telling me I couldn't do a lot of things I had a parent that was always uh, my biggest cheerleader Um, but unfortunately because of the lack of healing in a lot of areas of her life it affected me and so I think in a lot of ways I was trying to run from um, the life that I lived with my single parent mother Um, even though I did have an escape I had a I had a, a family that really my mother always says it took a village to raise me. I live with almost every member of my family. And so in that I got a lot of junk <laughs> from a lot of different people, including my, my home base. Um, and then my father died um, of an overdose when I was nine years old. And so, and that was off the heels of um, him promising me he was going to get me a bike. And then me talking to him on the day he was supposed to get the bike and he hadn't got it. And like a couple days, like two or three days later, he passed. And so in a, in a big way, um, I felt the abandonment from my father because of that, but then also the abandonment of my mother, um, because we live in the same home, but at the same time, she's dealing with her own struggles. Um, and it took a very long time for me to realize how, being being parentified aka you know I'm taking care of my mother my mother's taking care of me all at the same time um how that affected my life and then because I hadn't healed from that I allowed uh people to use that thread that I that that lack of thread that I had to to give me false value right um and so seeking for validation from other people not that I didn't have validation from my family because I had a whole lot of validation from my family I didn't have um I didn't have the, 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 what I thought was security. And so I sought for that security in others. Um, and so I went through a very radical transformation when I got saved. Um, and I think because I went through that radical transformation and the type of personality I had, um, a lot of people kind of like shied away from discipling me in a sense, because I had my own thoughts. Um, I had my, I had already had a vision. Um, and then once I got around people who said they, they validated that they then controlled it. And so in a lot of ways, Um, I've been um, uh, taking the shackles off of the control of my creativity and being okay with who God has made me to be and what I'm called to create. Um, And a lot of senses early on in my Christian journey, I was very legalistic. So a lot of the things that I did was very legalistic and very hard, straightforward 
this is God because I was running from what I thought was uh, what was all bad, not seeing the good in what the lifestyle that I had lived um, and, and how God was going to use it. And so now I'm just creating stories from a place that I, I want to create what I love. Um, and in that, you know, you have to confront things that you thought that you would never do. Um, you have to reevaluate what your boundaries are um, and what you're comfortable with and the ethics that you have. Um, still a lot of my life, everything in my life is still controlled by, by the biblical narrative. Uh, but defining that for myself and not letting other people define it, um, looking at the scriptures, studying the scriptures, knowing what the scriptures say, but then not allowing cultural boundaries of the church to be put on me in the midst of that. Um, I need moral boundaries. I need ethical boundaries but I don't need what people have said is right and wrong. What does the word say is right and wrong? But then also allowing myself, I think this was the biggest aha moment I've had recently to realize that I am not the narratives that I write. And a lot of times we take on the personality of our narratives, which confines our narratives to what we think is right, not necessarily who the character is and what the narrative should be telling. Um, And so I've gone through a big journey, especially with Love You Right. I had to confront um, my sanitation, um, of, of characters. Uh, and so how do we keep a boundary with things? Um, how do we show healing in this character? Um, at the same time as how are we being honest to the character? Um, so I think that's kind of like where I've been story wise is discovering how my own need for healing, um, is showing me how to tell stories that provide some form of healing, but in order to have healing, you have to have pain, um, and not sanitizing the pain of people's circumstances. So what's interesting about what you're saying right now, and I think is a conversation that a lot of believers have about the art that comes out of the community, right, Mm -hmm. is that um, it doesn't feel authentic. Yes. Um, I mean, you know, in terms of like the feedback that we get as, you know, believers who happen to create art, Mm -hmm. right, Mm -hmm. is that. You know, it does. You know, it doesn't feel authentic. It feels like you're, you know, hindering this character from developing in the way that in the in the way that humans develop, mm-hmm. right? And so there's this, like you said, this boundary, this line mm-hmm. that occurs where we say, well, we we don't want to be explicit, mm-hmm. but we also need to tell that this person is walking through this particular yes. whatever it is, whatever <laughs> experience it is, and how mm-hmm. do we and how do we do that and maintain the integrity of the creativity itself, the work yes. itself, right? Like mm-hmm. the craft of it, and, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, I think it's interesting that you say that. What What do you say to those legalists, you know, kind of artists out there who are trying to define their characters and their work and their storytelling by a very narrow viewpoint, Um I know what I would say. So what, what would you say to them? There were some things that you would say too. And so I, I don't know if I would say the same thing that you say. Probably not, but I think, you know, this is what I say. So um, what I've been saying, what I know I'm going to have, I'm going to have to answer for some of the things that I've done in this new movie. Um, but I try to do them as ethically and as tasteful as possible. Um, and, I, and, and I say, you know, it's the Roman 16 road, right? It's the road of if it feels like sin to you, don't watch it, don't consume it, don't do it, right? But if, if, if the greater story that you're telling requires it, you have to serve the project. Like you have to serve the project. So I, I am, uh, so I've been on this journey to cleanse my mouth, right? And so I cleansed my mouth in a very legalistic way. When the, when, the, when the legalistic shackles came off, I realized, oh, you ain't really cleansed it. You just tamed it for other people's purposes. And so I've, I've, there's certain things that I just, I, I just won't say or that I, I might think. And that I'm, I'm like, no, I don't want to say that. I don't want to think that. I don't want to do that because not simply because culturally it's, it's, it's not right. But I just, for, for me, it feels like a cuss word. And so um, there are things that Christina won't say, right? Um, there are things that if she does say it, she's going to repent of it because in my heart, it feels like sin. Um, and so, but there are some things that my characters are just going to say. And so I was on, we were on set and um, Will Clay, who is the lead character in our, um, well, Mark J.P. Hood is the lead actor, the lead character he plays is Will Clay. Um, and so it, Will Clay just kept cussing. And so I'm trying to keep my PG-13 rating, though, at the same time. And at first, I kept trying to stop him from doing it. But I had to be like, hold on, would the character say this? Not would Christina say this, but would the character say this? And the character would say these words. And so I had to really give, I had to give my actor the freedom 
to say what he needed to say to convey the point. And granted, um, would would I necessarily say these things? No. What, were we potentially writing them when we were writing them? Yeah. Like me and my writing partner, we had to really like think about how will we tell, how do we tell this story? I had to really come to, come to grips. I'm writing a story about an R and B singer. There's no way we're not going to be able to have some kind of sex and some kind of sex music <laughs> in this movie. Right. Like there's, there's, it, it was impossible. Right. Right. Christina, faith is uncomfortable, right? Mm -hmm. That is my reality. I love this song. I love these songs. I did not write them. However, I commissioned them because it serves the story. And so I I would tell people, like, if you can't serve the story, then don't write that story. Don't write it. it. And so there are some things I'm just not going to write. I am utterly fascinated with crime and prostitution. But it's, I, I'm not going to be able to write some stories. I have this beautiful story of a pimp and his daughter in my head. And so I want to write this story. I ain't ready to write this story because I'm not ready to be true to the story. And so until you're ready to be true to the story and know what your end goal is, I think that's always the, the issue. Um, don't create art just for art's sake. You can do that. But as believers, we create art with a purpose and an intention. It does not always have to be evangelistic at the end. We've got to stop that we've got to stop that but some stories are redemption stories and it's okay but you don't have to you ain't got to get a whole gospel at the end of the movie right (laughs) it's it's but but that's unfortunately for the last um probably about almost 10 centuries that's what we've been told that art because we're afraid we're afraid of sin especially once you first get once you first become a believer and you get saved it's almost like sin is like like and so we carry that on um i do think that artists that are believers should take some time and develop and discover who jesus is um and get to know him but also get to know the boundaries that he has given them um sometimes people just get saved and they just go all in and they just switch it and there's no development no growth um in that um and sometimes you know even with you know Kanye we kind of like see that in some cases where he sanitized his music but he still you know the Lord is still sanctifying his heart and so you get this sometimes it feels authentic sometimes it doesn't and so I think just in general for me I I just be like serve the purpose serve the story right? right if you can't tell the story don't write the story if you can't answer to why you did it not that you did it but why you did it um you probably shouldn't tell that story and the thing is, and you know, my theology is probably yeah. way more progressive than <laughs> most people. Yes, but, it is. It is. <laughs> so, but I'm like, can we look at the biblical narratives, the stories that were told? And so, I mean, that, know, like, that's what I wrestle with, right? Because right. because my one of my greatest desires is to take these biblical narratives and make them real, and that is a scary place for our Western sanitized Christianity. Um, if, if we take the story of Tamar, how you, how you really going to do that? Exactly. You exactly. can't do that. Like, uh, uh, David, Hagar, how you going, like, I know somebody that, peeping Bathsheba over the, over the thing while she, she <laughs> there are tasteful ways to do that. Right. And so a lot of the ways that we're, we're learning how to shoot is Adolf Hitchcock and going back to earlier films that didn't show yes. stuff, but still gave you, helped you and helps you like dive into it right. um but i'm also in the business of pretty people and people want to see pretty people and so for example when we're cutting and we're editing and we're doing like a, a intimacy we're asking literally me and me and our our editors you know as we edit i'm sitting there like all right hold on how did that make you feel oh that's too much cut that down a little bit let's cut that right there because we want to tell the story but we also don't want to um we don't want to give room for satan at the same time and so but you you want to keep your rating and and i want to keep my rating (laughs) because you know you know because i you know i I want some christians to go in groups you know some more progressive uh uh christians that are not legalistic to be like yo let's go as a church and go see this movie um you know but i i want to tell real stories y'all like i don't I, I don't, I hate the corny Christian stories. And so I don't want to give my audience that. Um, and so one of the things that people peg me, I've been pegged, you know, I, I got one of, uh, she's now a good friend of mine. Uh, she wrote an article on me and she didn't know me, but she wrote the article and she says Christian filmmaker on the secular or, or, or on the, 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 one of the, the top rated, um, black news, uh, venues for film and I was like dang but she caught the threads and so even in even in people's um 
reviews of my stuff, they say, wow, it's Christian. Like I can tell she a Christian, but it's not pushy. It don't make me feel like, uh, what is this? And so that's something that I really long to do is I'm a Christian. I, you know, people can get in, do you make Christian art, all that kind of stuff. I just make art but I'm a Christian. Like it, it's going to have that worldview Your in it worldview, somehow. Right. My, my worldview is very consistent. My worldview is there. And so um, in the midst of that, you kind of like have to see what you believe and what you don't believe. You're going to change some of your, um, your beliefs about things, uh, not necessarily change your belief, but see the, the scripture in a different, in a different sense. Yeah. And, and real talk, like a lot of uh, fellow believers don't want to go that deep and so yeah. what happens is when they're watching a film they're afraid of what they're feeling when they're watching it yes. right like they're afraid of the arousal or the feelings or the either or even the um the emotional response like yes. the trauma response or whatever yes. it is that the story happens to be telling mm-hmm. they they resisted instead of walking into that so that whatever comes up can be healed Right, yes. like that is if we're talking about the end goal being redemption, and sometimes mm-hmm. it's not even just the characters, it's like what happens to you when you're watching a film. Like, I pay mm-hmm. very attention nowadays, especially, I pay very close attention to what is happening in mm-hmm. my body when I'm watching mm-hmm. things, when I'm seeing things, because that's a clue, mm-hmm. right? But a lot of people are not willing to like embrace that piece of it, so yeah, as a, you know, I, I work with a lot of directors. One of the cool things about what God is the, the arena that God has put me in is that he helps me to train other people. And so uh, I worked with this one director. We were on a set a couple of weeks ago. And so um, she's shooting her trailer. And so, you know, she got some, she got some intimate, she set, she set up some intimate, she, intimate shots. Mm-hmm. And I was like, they don't have to do it, but you got to make it look like it. And so I repositioned them for her. Mm-hmm. And she was like, Oh my God, it, the, the entire thought of it made her like, jump back and i was like i've been there before but it's not gonna look real unless you do something like they ain't got the kiss but they got to look like it and so but but i went through that process like first season of single anxious i tried to do the fake kiss that thing was a fail it was a the 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 level of failage that that was on that was crazy and so the way that i've approached it now is you know we have a we have a invisible line that we won't cross. Right. However, you know, the first thing I ask my actors, what are you willing to do and what are you not willing to do? Because I'm not going to put you in a role that you're, that you're not capable of. And so I do have an actor. She will do certain things, but she will not get naked. And I'm completely fine with that, right? Um, because I, do, I don't want to objectify her either. Um, right. I do want to show her beauty, right? But I don't want to objectify her. And so, you know, I ask them what are their boundaries. And so they tell me their boundaries. And, you know, even non-safe uh, actors I work with, they got boundaries and I want to figure out how to work within their boundaries without defying them. Um, and so, yeah, it's, 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 it's funny because you have come a long way since that oh, first child. season of, because and for those of you guys who don't know, who are listening, um, uh, uh, Christina Faith and Creative Thought Media was the producer of my short film, The Reunion, and we had a whole thing with the 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 husband of one of the main character grabbing the butt of uh, that. It was an intimate moment. They were enjoying each other, and like it was just a whole thing. And you know, <laughs> I don't care. I'm like, grab that John, right? Yes, but- <laughs> that's exactly what you said. And I was still un- I was I was still not there. Now I'm like, grab it, right? <laughs> right, right. Because you know what it is when you get back to the editing bay and you see what you got. Now, mind you, editing film is is all fake. It's all a lie, regardless of the story you're telling. It's a, it's a lie that we make seem feel like truth. Um, and so when you get back to the editing bay, you ain't got nothing to work with. You're like, dang, I wish they would have grabbed that John. Right. <laughs> so, right. And now there are bad ways to grab that John where it looks right. trash, and, but it's also right. about the angles that you shoot it from and all that kind of stuff. Um, so yeah. Well, let's 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 just switch gears a little mm-hmm. bit because you know part of what I wanted to talk about is this idea of grinding, right? And and you know you've had to work and create in spite of like great technical odds oh. and financial obstacles. Um, and I'd love for you to talk about how you were able to have like that fortitude, that vision to keep yeah. pressing, even when things were stacked against you, even when you didn't have, you know, this thing that you needed or this thing that yeah. you needed, you know, how have you learned to allow the vision to sustain you? Um, man, money. <laughs> we've, we've had so many challenges. Okay. So how do I dig through, um, 
Man, so, all right, so one of the things that I have to tell people all the time is that, like, we literally create with nothing. We create with what we have, um, and so many years ago, when me and my husband got together, and um, Creative Thought Media was already established, um, we literally, because we didn't have any money, and we just had the resources that we had, we made it our goal and our vision to create with what we have, so even if people that, that hire us don't have, we literally have to figure out how to do it. Um, I say a lot of, you know, creating and grinding from nothing is what we really like what people see from us. People have said, oh, they got budget. And we like, we ain't got no budget. Um, I think the first the first thing that I can say that has helped me and given me that grind is my mother. I've, my mother was a single mother. She never made over thirty five thousand dollars a year, but she always made it work. And so we've been evicted. We done been through struggle after struggle. Like the level of struggleage that me and my mother have had to endure has been tremendous. And so, you know, when when you're used to not having and you see something and you're like, oh, no, we can make this work. And so a lot of it is, oh, no, we can make this work. But from what I'm told, when I was a kid, I was always like that. I always was trying to figure out how to make it work. Um, And so. the way that we've 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 kind of like addressed it and the way that I've looked at every opportunity is I use people as resources. I don't look at I don't look at it and say, oh, we need, you know, I had somebody quote me seventy five hundred dollars for the coloring of our film. All right. We don't have that. I can look at that money or I can look at the action that needs to happen. And so um if 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 you're offering me 7500 for coloring. My next thought is, who do I know that's a colorist? Either that can teach me how to color better or that is willing to partner with us and do it for whatever they, they're asking for or to do it for free. Um, so in Single and Anxious, in uh, Plan B, in uh, Carlos, in The Reunion, we always looked at everything as what do we have and what don't we have and then who do we know? Um, so I literally, like even L- Love You Right, I think, we did 45 different locations. Um, we paid for absolutely, no, we did. We paid for one location. Yeah. One location for the Airbnb. Um, because we needed for such a long amount of time and just what we needed to do. It took three days. No one's giving up their house for three days straight. Well, no, we did have somebody give up the house, but they had a very big house so they could give up a corner of their house. Like we could be in our house and then them, them not feel like we're there. Um, and so generally we, we just, we look at everything as a resource of people. And so, but I also train up people. And so if you come to me and you don't know how to do something because I've had to grind and learn a lot of things on my own, I can teach other people how to do those very things those very crew jobs that they may not know how to do, but they have a passion to do. Um, and so a lot of it has just been um, teaching people how to do something. Um, I take Kai, for example. Kai came to us almost almost three years ago. No, two years because Tay's on three, three or four. 18, 19, 20, 21. No, Tay's on four. So she's on, she's on two or three years. Kai came and knew nothing, absolutely nothing. But the first question I ask everybody is, what do you really have a passion for? And so she said she wanted to be a cinematographer. We only put her in the area of cinematographer. So she started out as PA. Um, then, then she became a camera assistant. Then she became camera B, right? Now she's able to edit. And so because she had a passion and a hunger um, to do it. Now, unfortunately, they end up going to school. A lot of them are in school and we tell them to go to school so they can develop discipline. Um, we generally tell our kids to go to CCP first to see if you really want to do this or if you need anything more um, because CCP is just a great um, community college is a great way to kind of like get right to it. Um, and so they end up going to uh, community college um, and then they realize that they learn, they don't, you know, they kind of like there. They learn a little bit here and there, but they know a lot. And so it's just using people as resources and training, training your next, the, the next generation. Um, that's literally how we've been doing it, being patient with people as they learn. And so we do, we do a smaller project, we do a bigger project, then we do a smaller project. Um, but we're also doing services along the way. So we're perfecting our craft. Um, we're making a whole lot of, oh my God, if, if we could catalog the amount of mistakes that we have made. And it's cool to make mistakes now because, you know, you're, you're not making a mistake and each minute is $500, right? You're making a mistake right. and you're just losing time. Um, you might lose the resources of people, but you're figuring it out. And so along the way, we've just, you know, and, but that's how we've all, I always crafted it is let's start here. That's why we did so many, that's why we did a series first, because a series, we can make a lot of mistakes all over a, a six to 10 episodes and figure it out. So by the time we got to the first feature film, it was kind of like everyone, everyone, as soon as we said feature, 
everyone's mind shifted and it was scary to see how everyone's mind shifted because I'm like y'all we've actually been doing this for the last three four years um and so this is literally this will be the fourth year that I've released something every single March or November um and so after after kind of like being in the hustle of it and falling and failing and getting back up and having some successes, you learn what's good and you critique your work. And we send our work out to everybody to figure out kind of like what's good and what's not. Um, and so I think you learn how to hustle and not like I can look at like, you know, I have to shift my mind when I'm looking at stuff and being like, you don't have their budget. <laughs> like right. you ain't got that. Like right. what you have is what you have. And so looking at other people's things, learning from it, watching a lot of film, watching a lot of TV over the last four or five years, I've, I've shifted from reading. I used to read them in a massive amount of books. Now I'm just consuming a massive amount of media. Um, and so I'm trying to like, shift back a little bit so that I have a healthy balance. Um, but I've just been learning. I, I watch to learn, but I watch, I watch to enjoy. Like I've been doing this all my life. I love film. And so I think just the grind and the hustle is learning from your mistakes, but allowing people to make the mistakes without making them feel like they're, they're lower than because they made a mistake. Yeah. Yeah. Tony Morrison, the great Tony Morrison used to say failure is just information. Mm -hmm. Right. And it's the information that you use to leverage to the next point. Mm -hmm. Right. That's what, that's what we want to do. I, I think about the reunion and I cringe ah. <laughs> um, because that was my first time in a director role. And for even for me having to move from the page and like my life has been spent on the page and as a writer and to try to see things visually I think you know you and I went constantly back and forth as like trying to remove myself from the script yes right, which is where like, I live yes right and to try to see what those words how those words live on the screen mm -hmm. it was a just a phenomenal uh, experience of learning for me and I, I could say oh that film is not that great or that film is you know not what I wanted it to be or not what I envisioned it to be but mm -hmm. it was information it was information mm -hmm. so that when I entered this next short film project I have a lot I see a lot more I watch films now with a different eye like I'm mm -hmm. looking at it things differently and so yeah like for the people who are listening who are thinking that they want to work on a film or they want to do a film I think I love that you said that you're constantly watching, you're constantly taking it in. And that's the same thing I tell with writers. Like, do you read? Because if you don't, because if you don't read, I mean, I've actually had people who want to be writers who have come to me and say, oh, they, don't write. Read. they don't read that much. I was like, well, how are you learning? Like, mm -hmm. how are you, you know, understanding style and, and, mm -hmm. and metaphor and how to flip a, you know, verb or whatever? Like, how are you learning? You know? And so I think that the same applies across all, um, art forms i think dance yeah. watch other dancers right like so. yeah that's because that's how you learn you know right. um right. but then that's that's also how you get ahead of the game all right uh, yeah um because a lot of people they go to school to learn right right if if you're actively working and using a muscle that you it, that wasn't you know it wasn't strong before but you're actively figuring it out your your muscle gets stronger hmm. yeah mm -hmm. you know i think you know as we wrap this up like i think there's also this sense and this is what I've been wrestling with especially over this mm -hmm. last year there's this sense within creative communities that you know we just have to stay grinding in order mm -hmm. to be seen right like in order for us to you know you get the people to say I you know in my world in publishing and writing people say I'm gonna send my book to Oprah man Oprah's not reading your book no they're you know not <laughs> you know not. or you know nowadays it's like I want Tyler Perry to see my film or, yeah. or I want you know Ava <laughs> like oh uh, they hitting Ava up on Twitter and like you know and so there's this idea that you constantly have to be in people's face you have to be yeah. grinding um yeah. and I, I mean obviously this is a this is a world of networking, right? So that's part of it, right? That's yeah. part of that, right? But how do we stay balanced so that the work doesn't suffer? Because we're not so, right. Yeah, go ahead. So I've spent the last three years sending my stuff around, right? And so in that, I've gotten a lot of feedback. And so I think the valuable part about reaching out to people is not asking them to hook you up, but right. asking them to tell you what you're doing wrong. Right. Um, and so I think... I was, you know, 80% is connections, 20% is the work, but you got to do the 80, 20, the other way in order to get the connections. Um, I don't, I think with this project more than anything. And so my dream is that Ray would pick my project up and put it on Netflix. 
you can go straight to Netflix. Like I can get a distribution deal to go straight to Netflix, but I really want to work with a distribution company that is black and that desires to, to move people of color forward. Right. Um, I think for me, I am not looking to be seen anymore. I just, I, you know, we, we were already planning on self-distribution. We already figuring, trying to figure out how to get it in our art houses because the issue is no one is going to push your stuff as much as you will push it. And so though, though that's my dream, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, we've figured out a vehicle. We're not going to just put it on straight to VOD because you got to create buzz. And so I think what, what we're discovering as we're seeing this, the festivals change, festivals are now, um, festivals are now um vehicles for big industry studios to get press and to launch their stuff they are no longer for us little people they are not they only want you when, once you've already gotten some press right and so i tell people like I, I listen i know what comes out i can tell you what what's going to the festivals i can tell you why i'm no longer submitting to certain festivals anymore um mainly because i know how they work now and so I can tell you once I see somebody that got into the festival, because I've been doing research for years, I can tell you who they know, who they're friends with, why they got that deal, and how long they've already been on the grind, right? And so Ava is not going to put you up, right? Issa is not going to put you up. You know, Charles uh, is not going to put you up, right? Mainly because they already have a line of people that they got to put up. Right. And so, you, you know, you know, you're getting in line with people who have a who have a community of friends that they've already been grinding with. If I get put up, I already got a community that has been building with me that I am loyal to. That exactly. I must unless we find something that's just like, whoo, like you're going to put the people around you up first. And so I, I don't think I don't think you need to grind to be seen. I think you need to grind so that you can create an avenue for your own stuff. You need to be in your own lane and you need to figure out how to add more cars to your own lane. Right. You need to create a race team in a sense. Um, I, yeah, I, I really struggle with it now because I've done all that stuff for years and I'm kind of like, you know, if they don't say yes, does that mean that we failed? Right. They're, they're not our validation. Our validation is the audience that we're trying to create. And so in a lot of ways we on our Kevin Hart, like we're going to hit, you know, he hit the comedy before we knew really, you know, we knew of Kevin, but before Kevin became who Kevin is, whether you like him or you hate him, he hit them comedy clubs every single night. Right. right. And so I think you just you, you're you're going to have to figure out how to use this this vast amount of resources and materials uh, that are available. Uh, eyeball time is very is 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 very sporadic. Either people love you or they hate you. You know, if you don't have great films, there's an audience for that because there are people who just don't like who who like the cheesy stuff. Tyler Perry has a lane for a reason, right? And you can hate him or you can love him, but his audience <laughs> is his audience. Right, that's, right. Yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. And so I, I just, I really encourage people to discover who your audience is. And my thing is, if I can pack a house of 354 premiere in one place, can I figure out how to pack that house in another place? Like that's, that's kind of like where, where I'm at with it is figuring out how do you develop, how do you develop your lane? If you're going to do anything, pay some influencers to post your stuff. Like that's going to get you, that, that is, that's how this works, right? It doesn't, but that's also how, how the studios work. The studios work from the perspective of who in this is already a big name or a big executive that we can already have a lane for, for, for marketing because they don't, have that they don't have and they don't want to put big dollars into a brand new talent like you know they're, they're the michael bay days are over you know michael bay did bad boys that was his first movie wow that doesn't happen anymore right and so i don't i, I think the balance is um not not reaching out you know it's kind of like your mama like you said you need to work with tyler perry uh, tyler ain't looking for me he's just not right unless unless somebody Tyler no tells him about you right and that's because you're honestly already in the funnel or you're one one degree away two two degrees of separation away from knowing somebody you know what I love that so much and I, it is actually where I am even in publishing and in, in in just content creation in general what I figured out and even I could even say even with this podcast when I was thinking about scheduling this podcast yes there's a long list of people that I would love to interview there's a long <laughs> list of people Tina Lifford I'm looking at you um, <laughs> that I would love to have and they would <laughs> now that podcast they'll say yes FYI. yeah you know what I'm saying but like I there's a lot of people that I would love to have on here but what yeah. I figured out is that I have a dope 
number of people, friends, crew, mm-hmm. tribe around me yep. that are doing dope things already. Mm-hmm. You know, and if I'm gonna put on Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going to do something that is mm-hmm. going to be, you know, I think Issa even said this. I think she was interviewing. She's like, when she got put on, she's like, the people that were doing awkward black girl with her, right? Yes. The people that came through, those are the people that she was yes. carry with her. She knew and Yvonne I, seven years before they did, seven or eight years before they did uh, Insecure. Exactly. And so my my whole perspective is like, I, I you know, I, you know, the part of you always wants to, yes. uh, you know, somebody to see right like yes. that's real talk that's a human nature thing yes but once i think you kind of get firm in who you are as an artist mm-hmm. and you understand the kind of work you want to create and as you just said the audience that you want to reach mm-hmm. then the need to be seen becomes less because yes. you're going to create your stuff anyway and sooner or later they're going to see you and they're going to want to work with you like that's you know that that's how that's how the monster works the monster works is you do the work you put the time in, you figure out the distribution, and then they're going to come, right? right? And so, you know, it's the Mike Jones back then. They didn't want me. Now look at them all on me. Like, that, <laughs> yes, that's, that's very true, right? right. You know, um, and so I'm, 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 pers- I'm excited to, and for me, I'm excited because that means God gets all the glory, right? If don't nobody else put you on, when they say, how did it happen? For me right now, I'm saying the Lord. You know, we, we lit, oh my gosh, the other secret sauce is prayer. Like we literally pray for everything. Like we needed somebody to do motion graphics. I swear, there's so many stories for Love You Right is ridiculous. Mm -hmm. We needed somebody to do motion graphics and this is at the end and our studio wasn't ready. We needed to shoot the opening scene. So I had to rent a studio. Um, The cheapest studio in in the city that I could find was Color Space. And so we rent Color Space. It's still a stretch. I, I charged it. I'm like, all right, we, I ain't got no choice. We got to do it. And so we get there and the guy that actually helped to book us, Cam, is a visual motion graphic designer. Wow. And so he's like, dag, I wish I would have known. I wanted to work with somebody black, you know, you know, he was like, I'm all for our people. And so I was like, you know what? I was like, what do you do? Cause I'm looking at his computer. I was like, Oh, that's dope. You're an editor. He's like, no, I mainly do motion graphics. I was like, look, if you still want to be a part, we still need motion graphics. When I tell you this man did all of our motion graphics and only asked for IMDb credit, nothing but the Lord, like for wow. real, nothing wow. but because I, I can't imagine how many hours he had to put in and do this. We got so so when people see it, it's like you're not just seeing a movie that we kind of like, you know, it was a movie that we wrote and it was like, all right, well, let's figure out how to make it. But we literally saw the provision of the Lord every step of the way. I wanted a jazz score. I was watching the photograph and I was like, see, told y'all I was already on <laughs> right? And so Christopher Stevens, I said, Chris, I was like, yo, what you doing? I was like, yo, you want to score this? He was like, I've been wanting to score for years. He gave me a jazz score, like 30 different tracks, 30 different cues. And I had to pay nothing because he just wants to do the work. And so, but then people trust me because if you want to do the work, I'm going to honor you in doing the work. I'm not just going to be like, oh, I got it for free. Da, 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 da. No, I'm going to put you on. Next time somebody asks for something, be like, hey, yo, check out my man, Chris. And so I think it, it's, it's, it's really just about when, it, when you're called to do something and it's time, all things will work out. All of it, it will work out, but you know what you said that's so powerful that so many creatives do not get is that you took the leap of faith. Yes. You 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 went ahead and got the studio. You didn't know that the motion graphics person no. was going to be sitting there. You we just needed the space. information. Right. Nope. And so at the end of the day, so many people are sitting around with their dreams in their brains mm-hmm. or their, you know, their, or waiting. Are waiting, you know, sitting around waiting and doing absolutely nothing. And like, I'm waiting on God to do it, to give me the opportunity. And God's waiting on them. Like, okay, so when are you going to start? I had several people tell me, why don't you just wait to make this movie? Because I was like, we ain't got no money. They was like, why don't you just wait? What's the rush? I said, because we want to be in the 2020 festivals. <laughs> like, we're not waiting. And so even that was a leap of faith. We shot it in 19 days. Very, very, uh, very adventurous 19 days our lead talent we knew we could only have him for 21 days total literally you got two weeks from june to july you got one week in august i could fly back one more time for adr so if you don't if it if you didn't have we literally had one reach we had 
one reshoot. That's literally because we even when he came back, we had him for two days. So we had to get the reshoot in. We had to get the opening scene shot in and he had to do ADR all in those two days. And so even in that for him, he we asked him. I never I never met my lead. I hit him up on a DM straight up. Wow. Instagram DM my music supervisor found him because he did this little silly run and one of his other singer friends reposted it and so when she looking through the hashtag she found him and norm he has an agent normally he would go to his agent he said I feel like if I take this to my agent my agent gonna tell me not to do it but I feel like I need to do this project and so he was like, I never did anything like this. Like the leap of faith that he took. So everyone took leaps of faith. We had people using their vacation time. Like who used their vacation time in the summer to shoot a film? <laughs> right, like, right. You know, we had babies on set. Like we made it work because we all felt like we were called to do it at that time. And even now, like I'm excited because it's something that people can be proud of for, for, for years to come. I really right. think that Love You Right, the R&B musical is going to be something that, um, it's going to, it's going to make the church uncomfortable in the beginning. I keep telling the church, just get to the end. Just, the, church, the church will be fine. Yeah. Get to the end. <laughs> Y'all be all right. I ain't left the faith. I still love Jesus. Get to the end. But it's also going to make people who are uncomfortable with the church feel like, oh, this ain't corny. And so, um, I, I hope more people take leaps of faith in the art that they love, um, and so even in saying that, I feel like I got to take this leave of faith in this next thing I want to do that requires even more <laughs> than we don't With have. Pimp's daughter? No, not yet. No, 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 not yet. That's not time. No, I want to, I really, I, I, I'm mad I, interested. <laughs> no, I want to, I want, I want, I want Jamie Foxx on that. I, I really, I'm, I'm willing to wait for that one. I'm willing to wait for that one. Um, and so, no, we're probably going to do a buddy cop movie next. And so we got to blow oh, some Lord. stuff. <laughs> you going to blow some stuff up? Oh, Lord, in Philadelphia? <laughs> mm-hmm. Lord. We, we'll probably go out to Jersey because, you know, we can probably blow some stuff up in, in bigger places. In somebody's cornfield or an apple orchard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know Actually, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I really encourage people to take leaps of faith and work with their friends. Work with your friends. You're going to have some fallouts with people that you thought were your friends. They may not be as tight as friends as, as you thought they were, but that's all right, too, as long as you work with people that you're comfortable being with. Um, you're going to have to have long conversations with people uh, because y'all all going to get on each other's nerves but right. do the work get it done and uh, hold it openly and not tight I think too many creatives hold their work so tight yeah. that they can't let other people influence it like I literally like we'll do some takes and I'll be satisfied I'll look around and say what y'all got right because they see some stuff that I don't see right. and so and and I've had to learn how to do that without them taking my vision and doing what they want with it without them speaking out of terms because you know you want to respect your director you also don't want your actors to get you know words from everywhere right yeah you don't want to get words from everywhere and so you turn around and you said and you know say what y'all got oh i think you should do a a shot from here all right or they'd be like it's too much smoke you don't understand it's okay that's not we're not gonna take that suggestion we're gonna move over i promise you just trust me and so it's a lot of trust it's a lot of faith involved in creativity and i think we can get more done when we stop worrying about what what the people who are already getting checks think (laughs) And we will end on that note because that that right there is powerful. So thank you, Christina Faith. Thank you for having me. Talk podcast. We finally made it. We finally made it. Yeah, we've been trying to do this for a second. So you know, I'm grateful that you all time perfect timing. That's all. Absolutely. All right. Thank you so much, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for having me on Heart Talk. Heart Talk is written and produced by my mommy, Tracy Michelle Lewis Jiggins, for Heart Space and New Season Books and Media. Go to hearttalkpodcast.com to learn more. See you next time.